If you got your Bibles, I want to talk to you. Hebrews 5 and Hebrews 6 this morning. If you got your Bibles, go open them up and we're going to talk about uh, are you anchored in Christ this morning? Are you anchored in Christ this morning? And uh, we've been talking in the book of Hebrews uh, over the last uh, several weeks and uh, we've, been, we've looked at chapters 1 through 4 and now today we're going to get into chapter 5 and chapter 6. And this is a, a great chapter. We remember that this book was written to a group of people that were uh, kind of uh, times were tough like they are today. And people were walking away uh, from leaving Christianity and going back to the old things. Going back. Daniel, maybe it's better just to go back to what we're familiar with. And they were going back to uh, the, the law. They were going back to the, uh, the, the uh, sacrificial system. They were going back to angels and back to, uh, back to Moses. And, and so uh, the writer is beginning to write and say, hey, wait a second. He, God realized, I, I want to write a book that's all about Christ. And so I'm going to I'm going to put something out there because I believe what's causing people to leave and depart is their revelation of Christ is skewed now. They don't have a complete re revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we, we need to give a complete picture of him. And that book of Hebrews, it's all about a revelation of Christ. And that's exactly what is going on in this book. And I think that's what's causing many in today's time to walk away and, not, and to be uncertain is they don't have a, a complete picture of Christ. If you know the Christ of the Bible. If you know the Christ that's seated in, in heavenly places, if you know the Christ who's King of kings and Lord of lords, then I'd say the same thing. How can you walk away from him? How can you walk away from the heir of, of all things? How can you walk away from the one who is uh, the father has put everything into his, his hands and everything that we see around us was created by him and for him and through him. And so how can you walk away from that? How can you leave that? And that's what this writer is appealing to and reminding them of this. And so today we come into a place where we're, 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 we've looked at like, we looked at uh, Christ is superior to angels. We looked at Christ is superior to Moses. And, and I'd kind of say today, Christ is superior to the sacrificial system. He is, he is, he is, uh, he is superior to the Levitical priesthood. Uh, you know, he is superior to, to, uh, to, to the Old Testament uh, law and, and, and he fulfilled it. He completed it. And and, uh, and now through him comes salvation. And so we're going to look at this today and we're going to come down to the place, are you anchored in Christ? And I want you to think about this because I hope most of you know, I hope you've been in, 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 in the Bible long enough to know most of us here that there was a, instituted in the old law, in the old covenant, a priesthood. And uh, if you'll know the system that once a year, the high priest, there was a temple in Jerusalem or a temple, a tabernacle in the wilderness. And that was a place where, where, where God dwelt where the where they they had an ark of the covenant a box where where the Shekinah glory would come down and they were instructed to build this temp this tent a meeting or later a temple that was secure and permanent and that's the place where God would dwell with his people that's the place you could go to meet with God if you wondered about uh, uh, is God with us then is the Shekinah is the temple there is the Shekinah glory in the temple uh, you know and, and so 
we would see this temple that was there, and we would see this priesthood. There were certain things that you had to do. There was a, there was a, the priest had to sanctify themselves, and they had to do all sorts of things before they could go into the presence of God. And they could only go into the presence of God once a year on, 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 through the veil, through the curtain. You had an outer court. You had a, you had a court of Gentiles. You had a court of women. And you had then an inner court. And then you would keep on going through, and you would go into the most the holy place and into the most holy place and the only person that could go into that most holy place where 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 God was where his presence was was the high priest one time a year and I want you to take you there today and I want you to I want you to uh, look with me and think about as the priest stood there nervously on this day and we just passed that that time the Jews just celebrated Yom Kippur the the holiday of the day of atonement we just came through that Rosh Hashanah, which is the creation of the world and really the birth uh, of the world and the, really the true new year. Uh, it, it's spiritually, and we just came through that, and we just came through uh, the days of awe, where these days where you look and introspect and pray and fast, and then you come to Yom Kippur, which was the day of atonement, when, when your name was recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. When, when For that year, they would come in, and the priests would go into the temple and slaughter the, the bull and, and the and the goats there, one goat and a bull, and he would do that for himself, and he would do that for the sins of the people. And then they would have another goat called the scapegoat that would run out into the wilderness and, and, and be forever gone with the sins of the people. So uh, he, can, you can imagine this guy standing there nervously as he's been chosen by God, and he's there to represent the people of God before God, and he had been called to offer gifts, and he's been called to offer sacrifices for the people. People, but the people were in a mess. Their, their lives are in a mess. They needed forgiveness. And, and, and that's why he's there. He, they, 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 that's why this is instituted. That's why there has to be this person. He's there as a representative for the people of Israel who are a mess and who need somebody to represent them between them and God. There needs to be somebody standing in the gap, Joe, and, and, and petition God for these people to offer gifts and sacrifices for the people so their sins could be forgiven and that they can go, they can go another year with whoo what a relief God is no longer angry at us for our mishaps and our failures and our mistakes and so once a year this guy would go into the holy place and he had prayed he had fasted all night and then he comes he had put on certain garments and then he comes to God with a sacrifice for forgiveness of sin as I said he had to do it for himself Joe because he's not perfect himself. He's a sinner as well, this particular guy. So he has to offer one for himself and his family. He has to sprinkle the blood on the on, on, inside there seven times, not just one time, but he sprinkles the blood seven times as completion and perfection to take care of the sins of the people. And, uh, and, and God could only be approached this way through forgiveness, through grace, through atonement, and through sacrifice. And that's why this system was put into place. And but, the, but as I said, he needed it too. And that's why he took two goats. That's why he took a bull for his own sins. And, and, and he entered in through the outer court. But he didn't stop there. He went on into the holy place. He even went on in to the place that was forbidden. The curtain. This big, thick large curtain that stood there that, that kept the presence of God from the people of God and, 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 and that's where he finally goes into that curtain that separated the presence of God from the people it's 
separated the Ark of the Covenant and the commandments of God that were there. And he couldn't come into that place empty-handed. He had to come in with incense and coal and fire. And he had to come into that place with blood. So he couldn't come in there empty-handed. That's how he went into this most holy place that one time a year, sprinkling it seven times. And it's a great act, but it's for the people's sins. And once he comes out and they know that it's received, man, there's a, eventually a shout that lets out. And the work is finished. He, 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 it's done. It, it, for that year, he left. He, he leaves out of that place. He removes his, his cloak. Israel has been cleansed. And he knew that he... That, that, but, but here's the problem. He knew he would sin and he knew the people would sin and fall again, Raymond. That's the problem. I mean, like that, that great thing that he did and went in and hallelujah, God has forgiven our sins and our high priest has stood in the gap for us. But the problem is they're going to do it again and he's going to do it again and he's going to have to do this again next year and he's going to have to do this again next year and he's going to have to do this the year after. And when would the cycle ever be broken? When would the cycle, when, when would this ever, when would there ever be, it gave hope, but it was momentary hope. It was fleeting hope. When would they have something that they could anchor their soul to? When would they have a hope that was sure and steadfast? When would they have something that they could absolutely be absolutely uh, uh, sure of because listen hope is so fragile isn't it we hope in things today and they're gone joe in a moment man like like we just hope we hope in our medical system we hope in our educational system we hope in 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 parents and we hope in people we hope in spouses we hope in all sorts of things and and it's interesting where some of us in this room put our hope in and what we put our hope in. In fact, uh, they, they did a survey and they looked at the place where people were putting their trust. And, and this was done in 25, across 25 countries predominantly. And they wanted to know what professions were looked at as the most trustworthy and the untrustworthy. And if you'll look, this is what they came up with. And this was done a few years ago. Go to the next slide and you'll see. And here's some of the most trustworthy, I don't know if they're still in this order now, but this was some of the most trustworthy people that they said, scientists, doctors, teachers, armed forces, the police, ordinary men and women, judges, lawyers, television news, readers. This is where people a couple of years ago across the countries put their trust. This is what they put their hope and their trust in. Go to the kind of the bottom of the rung and uh, you'll find me there. Go ahead. Pollsters, civil servants, business leaders, journalists, clergy, and priests way down on the list. Bankers, advertising execs, government ministers, politicians. Uh, and, and, and why is that? Because people have put their hope in people like the clergy, and the clergy have let them down, right? Come on, we've had scandal after scandal after scandal in, the, in many of these places and in these institutions. And, and, and people have put their trust in these places and, 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 and they've been let down. And it raises the question of where do we place our hope? Where do we put our hope in? Do we put it in people? Do you put your hope in yourself? Put your hope in yourself. You'll, trust me, you'll let yourself down. You put your hope in your bosses at work? Where do you put your hope? In your health? 
Your health is going to fail, right? Put it in the healthcare profession. It's going to fail. Those things are going to fail. There's great people in these places, but, 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 they're, but, but they're men. They're, they're women, and they're going to let us down. And so it raises the question, where do we put our hope? And here, they did another poll in the UK, and they found out that 16 to 25-year-olds, they came to a place where they surveyed, and I dare to say it would just be this way universally, that they surveyed these people, and one-third of these young people said, they feel they will never succeed. That's, that's the world we're in today. That's what the young people, sadly, are coming up feeling like. There's no hope. We, we have no hope beyond today or, or tomorrow, that there's just no hope. A third of the people say they feel they were never... That's why we see suicide like it, so it, on the rise like it is. And, and that's why we see drugs and why we see depression and why we see anxiety and so many things today. And, and so today there's this youthful pessimism that is, that is spreading. And so it, that's the question that comes to the writer of Hebrews is where is your hope? That, that, that's what he's going to address here in these two chapters today. Where does your hope lie? And we're going to see that in chapter 5 and 6. He's going to answer that because the Jews are losing hope and they're returning to back to the old. They're returning back to the old law, the old system, the old sacrificial system. Turning back to angels. Are angels better? It was, maybe it was better back then, so we'll just leave Christianity and we'll go back to what we knew. Kind of like Peter, uh, you know, I'm going fishing. I'm just going to go back to what I used to do and what I used to know because my hope's been shattered, right? I mean, I let him down and now he's dead in the grave, right? And, and so he's hopeless. Where can we put our hope? And so he just, hey, let's return back to the, let's return back to the rabbinical system. Let's turn back to what we, were, what we know. Let's turn back to Judaism and back to Moses and back to these things. And, and the writer is saying, don't, don't turn back to the old way. The writer is saying here, he's saying, no, place your hope in Jesus. You have something that, that is steadfast. You have something that is sure. Look, your high priest goes in once a year, and he's just a man like me and you, and he goes into this place once a year, and he's a figure of hope. But look, he has to keep going back because he messes up a few days later, and he's got to go back year after year after year. And you want to go back, and you want to put your hope in that? You want to put your hope in a system that, that, that you just gives you a minute of hope, Raymond, and you got to keep going back and going back and going back. And the writer is saying, don't leave. Don't leave what you know. Don't leave Christ. He is everything. He's our hope. He is our assurance. He is our surety. And so he's saying, keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't go back. I know things are tough. I know, I know people are breathing down your neck. I know they're taxing you to death. I know they're, 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 they're coming in and, and hanging Christian on poles at this time. I know they're sending you to Colosseums. I know this is all going on. But don't turn away from Jesus. He is your hope. Look at chapter 5, verse 5. Through 10, and I want you to read it with me. Because the high priest's characteristics basically were they were selected from among the people, they represented the people, they were called by God, they were subject to human weakness because of their sin. And then look at what chapter 5, 5 through 10 says it says, In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, you are my son, and today I've become your father. Look at verse 6. 
And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. We'll look at that, that strange figure next week a little bit. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal, say that word with me, eternal eternal salvation for all who obey him. And we're going to look at that word obey in just a second. And was designated by God to be the high priest in the order, not of Levi, but in the order of Melchizedek. Why are you returning? Why are you returning back to, to the Levitical priesthood? Why are you returning back for them to be your high priest and to have to do this year after year after year? There's somebody supreme here. There's somebody greater. There's somebody great that could guarantee you salvation for a year, maybe. But there's someone greater here. And, 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 and he says uh, in that last place in verse 9, look at what he says. He became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey. And that word obey literally means for all who hear and respond. Okay? That's what that word literally means. The source of eternal salvation for all who hear and respond today. Who put their faith in. The one who hears it and puts their faith in. All other high priests failed, but Jesus is the great high priest. He is trustworthy. He is, he is the author and finisher of our faith. He is qualified not only to... He doesn't have to bring anything in his hands because he is the sacrifice. He is the high priest and the sacrifice. Listen, he doesn't carry anything in his hands. He is it. He's everything. The other high priest was temporary. This one is eternal. This is the source of temp not temporary salvation, but eternal salvation forever. I don't know about you. Why would you want to go back to temporary salvation, Hebrews? You can have eternal salvation. Other priests have to go in with things in their hands. They have to carry incense. They have to carry coals. They have to carry blood. He enters in alone. He is the sacrifice rolled into one. He is everything. Look at what Hebrews 6, 13 through 20 says. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was was promised people swear by someone greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument we're fixing to put an end to all argument now go because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised he confirmed it with an oath God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is uh, which is which is the promise and the oath the promise, there's a, there's a seed coming. There is a redeemer coming. And it's backed by an oath, which is Christ. Okay? So, so, so by two unchangeable things, you can't change. The, these are unchangeable. Russell, the promise and the oath are unchangeable. 
You ain't changing them. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us. There used to be cities of refuge that if you've broken a law, there was times where you could run to a certain city and you would be safe and they couldn't get you there. And he says, we used to run to those places where there was a kind of a hope set before us and greatly encouraged. Look at the next verse. But we have this hope now. We have something better than a city. Now he's comparing it to this to this ship. And we have a hope that is an anchor for our soul. And he doesn't say it's just kind of uh, there haphazardly. It is firm now and it is secure. It enters in the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered in on our behalf and he has become our high priest forever again in the order of Melchizedek. Now, Hebrews sometimes isn't the easiest book to understand, and that's why we want to break it down, but it's got a lot of good stuff here. And, and, and look, we all break our promises in this room very easily, especially in this generation. I mean, how many times I've told my wife, don't worry about the garbage, it'll be out there the next morning. I promise. Only to wake up and say, uh, here in the garbage truck going down the road. And, Brad, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. Or I'll clean the dishes in the sink so you can go to bed and not worry about because I know you like the dishes to be cleaned up. Get up in the morning. What's this dishes? Oh, I forgot. We, we break promises easily. But they didn't break promises quite as easily in this generation. Oh, I'm sure there were some that did. But for the most part, and what they would do is they would secure it with an oath. And when you secured it with an oath, Basically, you, were, you, were, uh, you made a promise and then you guaranteed that promise with an oath. And that would often invoke God as their witness. I mean, you're bringing God now, you know, like I, people used to. And I, I wish I hadn't said things like this when I was little. It's really foolish. I swear to God, I'll do it, right? But these people really put a, put a, put a real, um, there was a real weight on this. They really meant it when they, when they told you they were going to do something and they would, they would invoke an oath, bring their promise with an oath, and then that promise was uh, there invoked with God as the witness. And so in this passage, that's what we see God doing. We see God coming here and Abraham was given a, a promise that, that God was going to bless Abraham. God was going to bless him. He's going to bless him with the seed of a coming Redeemer. And we know that God came through on that promise. God confirmed the promise with an oath because God said, I, I can't lie. I'm not going to lie. And so how, how can he do that? How can he swear? What's he going to swear by? He swears by himself, the Bible says. Abraham was given a promise that he was going to be blessed. God swore by himself. Christ is the oath and, and, and he is the eternal priest. He has entered into the presence. He has gone into the veil. It has, the promise has been now received and accepted. It is strong. It is secure. It has not only stayed in the outer court, it's gone into the inner place. It's gone through the veil. It's gone into the very presence of God. The promise of the Redeemer, the promise of Abraham's seed, the promise of the blessing is absolutely in the most holy place and it's there with an oath. And it's firm and it's secure. Your high priest has secured redemption. Your high priest has entered into the veil. It's not temporary. It's the heavenly veil. It's eternal in the heavens forever. Amen? Amen. 
It's guaranteed. The work is finished. And now He has given you eternal salvation. Why? That's why He's the anchor. He's the anchor. And the anchor holds. Though the ship is battered. Come on, the anchor holds. Though the sails are torn, I've fallen on my knees. The anchor, folks, you want something secure? Hebrews, America, are you crazy? You want to leave this? You want to leave Christianity? You want to leave salvation in Jesus alone? Are you nuts? He's the heir of salvation. He is the bright and morning star. He is the creator of all creators. He is the king of all kings. He's the one who entered into the veil. He is the promise and he is the oath. And it is secure by God. Amen? And you can lay hold of it. The only thing you can do is put your faith in the promise and your faith in the oath. And then you're secure. Yeah. And so the writer is saying, you want to look back to the old ways for hope in angels? You want to look for hope in Moses? You want to look for hope in a, in a sacrificial system that's temporary? No, this is the one you place your hope in. The anchor. The one who is firm, the one who is secure. Look at verses 19 and 20. Listen to what he says. We have this hope. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters in the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. We're in the presence of God behind the curtain. The curtain separated us, folks. He has entered in behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, the Bible says. Look, you can look for hope in lots of different places, as we said in that survey. You can look for hope in relationships. You can look for hope in education. You can look for hope in a girl. You can look for hope in a guy. You can look for hope in a degree. Oh, I got my degree. Now I'm set. I'm set. I'll have a job forever. I have money in the bank forever. Are you sure? You let the stock market go. You let all the investments go to China. You let a pandemic break out. Are you sure your job's safe? Are you sure it's secure? Are you sure your degree is going to last? Is a lasting hope? Are you sure? Are you sure? If I could just marry somebody, we'd have two incomes and we could make it. Are you sure? Is that the best place to put your hope in? Is that what you want to anchor your hope in? Those things might be good. Look, it's good to put up for retirement. But don't let that be your hope. Because this, the things of this world are fleeting. They are passing away. You're putting your hope in their health while you're young? Hey, I got news for you. These 49, almost 50-year-old bodies start creaking and aching as they get older. It doesn't matter how godly you are. There's things that begin to happen as we get older. Amen? And I'm telling you, do you want to put your hope in that? Put your hope in something that is short. Put your soap in something that is lasting. Jesus Christ has entered in the veil. He has died. And when he died, the curtain was ripped and rent in twain so that we could come in to the presence of God. Amen. So now imagine the beginning story. And now it's you. And you've got the ability to go in the presence of God. Do you dress up? Everybody's shocked while I'm dressed up today. I'm trying to get into the presence of God, Tom. Think this will help? Maybe I'll read more. 
Come on, surely that'll get me in the presence of God. Maybe I'll study more. Maybe I'll pray more. Surely that will get me closer to God, into the presence of God. No, the Bible says you come in your filthy rags. That's how you come now because your high priest has secured the promise and the oath. You don't have to read more. You don't have to pray more. You don't have to do more. You don't have to bring a sacrificial lamb. You come as you are into the presence of God. You bring your filthy rags and you come into God's presence. Maybe I should just stay in the outer court. Maybe I'm not worthy to go into the inner court. You know, Daniel's worthy. He, you know, he, he's, he preaches, right? No, how foolish. The, 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 we, we, we don't have to stay in the outer court. Well, maybe I need to carry something. Maybe I need to carry a big Bible. Man, if I carried a bigger Bible, then I, man, that would impress people and impress God. Right? Maybe, well, maybe I need to carry something. I need to pray more. This guy had incense swinging. Maybe I need to pray more and bring some sort of sacrifice. No, you come carrying nothing in your hands. Nothing in my hands I bring. Only to the cross I cling. Amen? You come because of the blood and Savior uh, that has gone before you into this place and done everything. And, and, and you go. Maybe you think, well, now I'm a two or three year old Christian in the Lord, so I'm mature. Mark, maybe I'm a man, I'm matured. So, you know what? I, I'm not gonna hang out in the outer court anymore. I'm gonna move on into the inner court. But there ain't no way I can go to the holy place, right? No, that's that, 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 that's foolish. Access is available now. Access is available now. You had no anchor in the Old Testament. There was nothing sure and steadfast. You had to keep going back year after year after year. You had no firmness. It was shaky at best. And there is no real anchor for the soul. But listen, under the new covenant, we have an anchor for the soul. And it's not based on your faulty feelings. It is based on what is sure and steadfast. God swore by Himself. He made a promise there's a Redeemer coming. And He swore by Himself. And he swore an oath which was Christ. And Christ has now gone into the veil. And he has sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat. The Father is satisfied. And now he's the anchor for your soul. Amen. He's your hope. He's your hope. There is a hope. Lay hold of this hope that is set before us. Verses 18 and 19 tell us this, that there is this hope that is there, is sure, and is steadfast. Listen to what it says in those verses in chapter 6. Listen, it says that by two immutable things, by two in which it was impossible for God to lie, by the promise and the oath, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope. Hope that is set before us. Why won't you lay hold of this hope that is set before you? Which hope? Listen, verse 19. We have as an anchor of the soul that is both sure and steadfast. Christ is your anchor. He is your anchor. We sing that song up on this stage. When darkness veils His lovely face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds Within the veil, Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. 
Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. And when you're in, in His presence, then you are held in that place. You're held there now by the anchor. By the anchor. Look at what Hebrews 5, 11 through 13 says. He takes you into that place, into that veil, because you put faith in His promise and in His oath. That's all that will get you into that place. Is you, put, you put faith in the promise and in the oath, that what He said. And it says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you in the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not a acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Oh, deep south Christian church, let me talk to you. Let me talk to you about how we never advance from works and how we keep staying infants and, and, and because listen, with Christ's righteousness, there's only two things. Number one, when it comes to Christ's righteousness, there's two choices. Understand, number one, that he went before you and he made you righteous. Y'all don't look too excited about that. Maybe you'll like the silent one. Or you can make yourself righteous. Okay? He made you righteous or you can make yourself Righteous. And, and that's, that, that's the thing. And so he's gone into the presence of God. There's nothing that we bring. There's nothing that we, do, that we can do. And if you think otherwise, then you deny him as the great high priest. And we see plenty of people who went back and started uh, not trusting in him as the high priest. And usually they broke out in leprosy. Usually something happened like that because you don't touch the glory of God and you don't, you don't come in and be your own high priest. And that's why chapter 6 tells us the beautiful things that happens when you bind yourself to Christ. Listen to what comes when you trust in the righteousness alone of Christ. It tells us here in, in verses 4 and 5, it says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit. He says, he says those that have come Come to Christ. Those that have, have, have put their faith in the promise and in the oath, they have been enlightened. You have tasted the heavenly gift. You have shared in the Holy Spirit. You have tasted the goodness of Christ and the Word which is Christ. And you have tasted the powers of the coming age. If you got Christ in you, if you believed in the shed blood of Christ, if you put your faith 100% in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then you are enlightened, man, like you can never be enlightened. You don't have to come up with some newfangled teaching to try to impress everybody. This is the deepest teaching you can know. It's the righteousness of faith in Jesus Christ and it makes you enlightened. You've tasted the greatest heavenly gift there ever was. You've shared with the Holy Spirit now that is connected with that and poured out into that and you've tasted the goodness of Christ and His Word which is Christ because you really can't understand this book until you come to know faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ and filter it through Him in the new covenant promises and then you've tasted the powers of what's coming. I know what's coming. I'm saved. I'm saved by the blood of the Lamb. I'm secure. secure I'm firm. And I got a home in glory. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And then you, but see, we're still, this is what he's saying to me. If you back up and he says, 
Why, why are you returning to the doctrine of baptisms? Now, that's not like after you get saved, the one by... It's, this is talking about under the Jewish Levitical system and the law. You're, you're, you're turning back to, these, to, the, to the washings under the sacrificial system. And of laying on of hands. That's not talking about coming down here in the altar. That's talking about bringing a, a, a goat and a lamb. And why are you laying your sins on a, on a goat and a sacrificial system that's not going to take your blood away, that, I mean, your sins away forever? Why are you doing that? For, and then he says, and, and, and the resurrection of the dead and all these Old Testament theology and of eternal judgment that they didn't understand because they didn't have the cross and the blood. And, and, and he says, and then of eternal judgment. And so he says, why? Why are you turning back to these things? Why are you not putting your trust fully in the anchor of your soul, Jesus Christ? There's another hymn in closing in a few minutes. It says this. I don't know if some of you won't know it, but some of you the, the, will. And it, it's a great song. If you read all the, 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 the stanzas of it, it's, it's really amazing. It says, will your anchor hold in the storms of life? When the clouds unfurl their wing, wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? You know, storms are going to come, and we're in storms right now. And some of you are wondering in the storm you're in, am I going to make it? I'm sure Tara is wondering, am I going to make it? Will, will my anchor hold in this storm that I'm in? Will my anchor hold? Will my, will my anchor hold in the situation that I'm in, in this perfect storm that I'm in? And that's what this writer is writing to the people in the book of Hebrews because they're wondering, man, they're losing their property. Their property is being taken for being a Christian. They are being placed into prison. They are getting flogged. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11, it starts to say it gets so bad that some of them are being sawn in half. They're being sawn in two. It can't get much worse than that. And they're bad. can you imagine in the writer's saying, Saying, will your anchor hold? Will your anchor hold when you're being sawn in two? Will your anchor hold when you're taking your child away and saying, we'll give you your child or renounce your faith in Jesus Christ? If you'll renounce your faith in Jesus Christ and you say, no, my anchor holds. My anchor holds. My anchor's going to hold. I'll see you in eternity. My anchor is strong. It will hold. And so the temptation would be to leave all that behind. Life's getting too hard. Will the anchor hold in the storm of life? And the writer says, absolutely it will hold. You've got a promise that you can put your faith in. And you've got an oath. And it's secure. And it's already entered in behind the veil. It's already there, secure and firm for all of eternity. Your anchor will hold. No matter what life storm comes. And listen to what the chorus of that old hymn said. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock. Fastened to the rock which cannot move. We've been talking this whole year about foundation. It's kind of fitting and bringing it down to a close. And I already know God's already speaking to me about next year. I know where we're headed, man. God's already early. Put it early on my heart. I know where God wants to go. And man, but this year we're just on firm foundation. Will your anchor hold? I got good news, Brookside Church of God. We've been preaching a year about foundation. If you're on the right foundation, you're going to stay. You're going to be held. And if you're chained to the rock right there, let me tell you, no storm can, can bust you loose. No storm can take you away. If you put your faith in the promise and in the oath, he says, the writer of the hymn says, we have an anchor that keeps the soul 
steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded and firm, deep in the Savior's love. And basically, if you don't get this, then you're on milk. If you can't handle the simplicity of there is some place you put your faith and it's in His promise of redemption and in the oath of Himself to perform it and keep it and present you faultless until that day, then you're on milk, my friend. It's taken me 20-something years of Christianity to finally get to this place. To say, because I'm the guy who wants to keep bringing this and things in my hands and sacrifices and more prayer and more library books to read. And I just want to keep coming with my good works that every time I fail, maybe beat myself some with some penance on the back for the things that I've done. So surely God will be pleased with me. And Raymond, I'm finally getting to that place, old wretched man that I am. Who can free me from this body of death? I thank God for Christ Jesus. I thank God for the anchor. I thank God for the presence, uh, for the anchor of my soul. He's in the presence of God. And the only thing I can do is place my hope and trust in Him. And, and when I do that, I'm behind the curtain and I'm seated with Him in that place. Why would I go anywhere else? Why would I go? Why would I go to the old high priest? Why would I go back to trusting in science? Why would I go back to a relationship? Why would I go back to exam grades? Why would I do it when Christ is there? Get a song ready. I don't know what you'll get. Whatever God lays on your heart or anchor holds or whatever. I don't know. Something. Close with this story. Back in the old days. They had these ships would come into the port and the tide would be low and there would be these sandbar areas. And so they couldn't move beyond the sandbar to get into the port where they wanted to go. And so often they would come to the sandbar and they would have these people called forerunners. And these forerunners would come out in a little boat and they would come out in their boat and they would put the anchor of this boat into their boat and they would drive it back onto the port and into the shore. And they would anchor that anchor into the port there so that that ship would be firm and secure and safe. That's what your Lord did. That is exactly what He did. We are sitting in the port, my friend. We're at the sandbar. We can see the harbor of heaven there. And the forerunner has gone in. He has taken the anchor and He's put it secure inside the most holy place. But we're still in a place where the winds are blowing and where the storms of life are battering. But here's what that would do. Here's what that secured. When finally the tide would rise at a certain point, then, the, then here's what would happen. The ship would rise up and it would go safely in into the port. Let me tell you something. We're coming into such a day where we've been anchored for so long, for like 2,000 years or more. And I'm telling you what, we've been anchored and we are at this sandbar on the other side. And I'm telling you, we are in the storm of all storms called the last days. And I think the latter rain is starting to come and I think the tide is going to start rising. And when it rises, I got news for you. My boat is going into the heavenly harbor and I cannot wait because I have got my faith in the promise and in the oath, Jesus Christ. 
Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we are about to go over the sandbar. <laughs> and we're going to reach that heavenly, that heavenly harbor. God, some of us have had faith for so long, God. That it seems so hard to hold on, God, because the ship is battered. Do, do that old Ray Bolt song, The Anchor Holds. God, it just, it just, it just, if you got something else, you can do it right after that one. But let's, let's, let's. And God, there, there's somebody here maybe, and their, their soul is just in turmoil. From one day to the next, God, they put their hope in a job. They put their hope in a house. They put their hope in health care and their mental condition's not better. They put their hope in a health care and their loved one died. They put their hope, hope in, in man. They put their hope in other things, God. Lord, they put their hope in, 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 in exams and in school and everybody's got a degree. In fact, now I've got to have a master's or a doctorate or something else. And God, it, it, we put our hope in these faulty things, God, and, and they're not sure, they're not steadfast, God. Put my hope in religion. Put my hope in church. Put my hope in, in a pastor. God, oh, look how far down, Lord, the clergy were. Put my hope in a pastor. And he failed me. Lord, the writer of Hebrews says, why don't you put your hope here? Why don't you put your hope in the place that hope is already gone? That hope is already gone. And you latch on to that hope. It's sure and it's steadfast. It's already entered into the veil. Our redemption is secure. We are saved. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And our soul is anchored securely and firmly in that place. And dear Father, if there's somebody here today, and God, they haven't put their full trust in your promise. You have promised that all who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. You have promised that if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus has died and buried and rose from the dead, we'll be saved. And dear God, I just pray, I just pray, Lord, that you would just help somebody to anchor their soul firmly in Christ, to believe in the faith and the oath of Christ Himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.